Are you ready, Sean? I'm ready, Brendan. Let's do this. Welcome to There and Back Again. And again. I'm Sean. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, how are you doing today? Good morning, first of all, but how are you doing? Good morning to you as well. Uh, I am fantastic. I am still in disbelief. Uh, This is, we are recording this just the morning after. uh, So it's like, it's still sinking in. Yeah. I I am on whatever cloud goes above nine. It's, I think there's a 10. I think I'm there. It's incredible. I, if, I guess for anybody that doesn't know, today is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. Yesterday, or last night more specifically, the Michigan Wolverines defeated the Washington Huskies 34 to 13 in the college national championship. 13. 13. We held them 13 points. This is a number that will haunt Washington for a long time. Oh, yeah. But that will just, the yeah, lucky 13, whatever you want to say about the number 13, that number is just going to also live in the history books of Michigan football forever yeah. this season itself. But, man, I guess before we dive into anything else, really, let's just talk about last night. I really want to, like, talk about just the feelings and everything that, what a incredible roller coaster of several different kinds of emotions we could have totally just recorded last night. And walked everybody through. I mean, you and I both know plenty of Michigan fans, so it's not hard to find people that can relate to this feeling. No, not at all. But it was just, yeah, I mean, yesterday, going through yesterday, I just remember a lot of feelings of, uh, you know, just a lot of anticipation and joy. Like you're just looking forward to the game. It's like if your team, any, if any of your teams are in a championship game, you're looking forward to watching them for one. But mixed with that is also kind of what we felt a little bit last week going into playing Alabama, there was clearly a lot of anxiety about the team that you're facing, the stakes of the game, just the meaning of the win in general. And so you don't really know what to feel. Do I do I lean into the joy? Do I lean into the, you know, not getting overexcited about the prospects of what could happen and just don't let my emotions go there. But then all of a sudden it's 730 and it's game time. I mean, what's what was going through your head as game time approached? Yeah, I was I was very nervous throughout the day yesterday. You know, you if you haven't already, you can go back and listen to our you know our, our Rose Bowl reaction episode from last week. And the, the, I think the difference we talked about was you know going into the Alabama game in the Rose Bowl, our expectations were were different because it's it's Bama, and you know. It's, this is the third straight year. Like we've seen this before. Michigan makes it to the playoff. They get just, you know, absolutely run over by a incredible Georgia team last year. They, you know, really kind of shot themselves in the foot one too many times and, and lose to TCU in a game. We all feel they should have won. And so this year going into Alabama, you're just thinking like, okay, this, this has been a great season, but if we're being realistic, this is probably where it comes to an end. And then they pull it out. And so then, you know, all week I've just been, of course, thinking about it and just thinking that, like, Michigan is is the better team and they should beat Washington. But again, especially as Michigan fans, with as much 
stuff that we have been through as, as a fan base over the last 20 years, it's it's hard just not to be thinking, like, how are we going to lose this game? You know, especially you, you picture the, you know, the Washington offense with Penix and what they did against Texas in the Sugar Bowl and just thinking, like, that's going to happen to us. Like, how are we going to stop that? So, like, throughout the day yesterday, I just, I was getting more and more nervous. It was like, just, you know, you, you're just picturing so many scenarios. Like, how's it going to feel if we win? How's it going to feel if we lose? How's how's the game going to go? And you're know, just, like, wishing wishing for the game to come so that you can finally get a sense for, like, how it's going to go. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a lot of nerves yesterday and anticipation and just ready for it to to get going. Yeah. And none of that is made better by the fact that, that we were favorites going into the game. You know, whether it's the, the betting odds or whatever numbers you see, all around, Michigan was the favored team. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, as a fan, that can either take you to the place of, like, being too easy going into it or too easy going about, like, what's going to happen. Or it can also add to that anxiety of, like, like you said, as Michigan fans, we know exactly what can happen in those scenarios. Yep. And, there are times when we've gone into a game and haven't been the underdogs and been heavily favored and we've just had too many mistakes or slip ups or something like the special team mishaps that happened last week could have could come into play again. You never know. But I, I always hate looking at those numbers before the game, but they're just always there whenever you're looking at any reports or reading up on the game or just getting ready at all. And yeah. so yeah. It was it was an entire day of just trying to distract yourself and really trying to do something other than like, even during the game, like there was part of the game where I was just like, you know, certain things weren't clicking with the team, you know, at at certain points. And so I was folding laundry. I was literally just like, I'm just going to, you know, do something with my hands to kind of like something. I don't normally fold laundry. I just had to do something. And so, yeah, yeah, it was just, but, but eventually it got to a point in the game where all I could do is just sit there and watch, you know, it, it was literally like being buckled into a roller coaster and just knowing that like, man, I, I guess, I guess I'm here, you know, for whatever comes my way is, uh, you know, uh, constantly getting ready for, you know, the drop, you know, which would be like a big play from Penix or something. And it just, yeah, just didn't happen that way. And so, yeah, yeah. when you look back at, at this season and then this path to the victory that took place last night, what are some comparisons that you see? Uh, comparisons to other teams or yeah, uh, well, other I mean- seasons? The, the biggest comparison is they just they just found a way to get it done, you know. They but it it it's not you can't just compare this game to like the Georgia game two years ago. Mm-mm. You know, it's not an apples to apples thing. Like this team is not who they are without going through what they did against that Georgia team two years ago, or without what happened against TCU last year. You know, this team is so full of fourth and fifth year guys, veterans who. And just like just the like the mental fortitude and the focus that d- this team has showed all year, despite everything else that's been going on around the program, like those coaches and those players just stayed locked in all year, and they just really didn't falter. I mean, yeah, there you know, of course, there have been times like we were trailing in the fourth quarter against Alabama and needed a you know drive in the last four or five minutes to tie the game and win in overtime and. Even though we never trailed in the game last night, there were certainly times where it felt like, you know, Washington, that offense is always just a play away. And, right. Uh, but somehow, just time after time, you know, we'd get the ball back, we'd go three and out, we'd punt. And, but the defense would come up with stop after stop after stop. And 
that's that's the thing. You know, I mean, Michigan has had had teams before where it had what we thought were great defenses, and then we play Ohio State and it's exposed. You know, like in 2018. You know, but for this defense to turn in a performance like this for for 15 games was just incredible. Well, we yeah. really haven't seen anything like it at Michigan since the 1997 team that won mm-hmm. the championship last. And so, yeah, that that's the main thing to me. It's just like the the way the team carries themselves, the way that they're constantly just deflecting praise to their teammates, to their coaches. You know, you they asked Will Johnson about his interception last night, and the first thing he says is, Credit to the coaches and the D line. You know they forced the, the throw, and and I just you know he made the play, and it was an incredible play. Mm-hmm. But it, it, that's just that's all it is. It's they're always just talking about their brothers, their teammates, their coaches. They're never talking about I did this, I did that, and it's just been really awesome to see. And they you know they totally deserve what they've accomplished. Oh, uh, for sure, they've, they've totally earned it, and it's just been so much fun to watch. We well, talk about fortitude. Like that's the key. That's the key. That's the key difference between all of those teams that have had had large defenses or big playmaking defenses, and then played places like Ohio State or other you know larger games, and they haven't come out on top. I think it's the fortitude that really makes the key difference in this team, and it's probably similar to some of the the the, the mentality of the '97 players. You know, uh-huh. like it's similar, but it's it's everything that this team has gone through, and those that have. I, you know, I don't want to use the cliche phrase, but it's the those who've stayed. It's those who have endured. It's the those who have been put through, you know, the paces and have endured those heavy losses in order to come back and have this season be what it became. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, I was just, you know, watching the post game stuff and just looking at some of the stats that I didn't even know about, about the previous undefeated teams, undefeated champs. And it's just, this is just such a very different team faced with a very different season and faced with just like a very different past few years of having to get there and then come back and fight their way back in order to get to the playoffs and the championship. And so to, to finish at 15 and O is, I don't, I, you know, it's, it's hard to like, as a Michigan fan right now to be sitting in like basking in this and then looking forward a little bit and then going, I don't know where you go from here. You do this, you do this again, or what but this is in our lifetimes it will be incredible to see this topped yeah i mean it's, that's that's the one thing is like I, I i made a note about this it's like i don't want to dwell on this too much but like there's nowhere to go but down from here like you literally i mean next year you know the playoff will be different uh, so maybe i guess i i think it's possible for a team now could go like 16 and 0 i'm not sure if if that would actually be possible or not but um yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's a remarkable accomplishment to play 15 games and win them all. You know, Michigan's schedule was very much backloaded as far as the you know the quality of teams that they they played. One thing you said about like the those who stay will be champions that you know mantra mm-hmm. that that phrase has has kind of annoyed me for for quite a while because. Michigan wasn't winning champion championships. They weren't right. winning the Big Ten. They weren't winning, you know, even like the the Big Ten East or the Legends Division as it was, you know, before they went to the East West Divisions. They were certainly not winning national championships. They were usually not even winning their bowl games, even if it wasn't for a championship, other than just 
the bowl itself. And they, they did a video series coming into this year, you know, showcasing those those players that like the ones that came back that could have gone like Blake Corum, Trevor Keegan, Zach Center, uh, I believe Cornelius Johnson, Mikey Sainer still, Mike Barrett, Chris Jenkins. I might be missing one or two others, but like those guys, they all could have left, could have gone to the NFL, but they all came back with a singular goal in mind to win the national championship. You know, Blake Corum, you know, he said that at the, the, the basketball game back in like February of last year or something, you know, he's, speaking to the crowd and like, you know, we're going to run it back and we're going to win a national championship. And ap- after every single game this year, you know, job's not finished. It's all about unfinished business. And Blake Corum, you know, last night on the podium finally got to say like business is finished. Mm. They, uh-huh. it's, it's incredible. Just like these guys came back and like what, what they had to do, like just the work they put in and everything to achieve this one goal. And, and they did it. So yeah, this, this team will absolutely go down I mean, I think to me, it's the best Michigan team of all time. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, you could argue about the, the 97 team. You know, they finished 12 and 0. And obviously, like, college football was just so different back then. You know, you didn't have a, a conference championship game. The regular season was only 11 games long. So they played 11 games, went 11 and 0, played in the Rose Bowl, won their 12 and 0, season's over. And then they're voted by one of the polls as national champion. But, you know, for Michigan, you know, you got to you play a 12 game regular season. Then you got to go play in the Big Ten championship game. Then you got to win two games in the playoff to win the national championship. And they did it. So I'm, I'm really I'm happy that, you know, this is our first like undisputed title since 1948. Like we won't have the 1997 split championship with Nebraska held over our heads anymore. You know, that's like the other fan bases especially Ohio State would try to hold that over our heads like you know we don't have a a true championship in the the modern era or whatever and like that's over now we can finally say like we are national champions in the modern era era of college football the BCS college football playoff era Michigan has finally made it to the top and on that note I did want to say you know Ohio State and Michigan are now tied for one national championship in the playoff era and there are some some parallels, you know. Twenty fourteen was Ohio State's, you know, the mm-hmm. first ever playoff. They beat Alabama in the semifinal, right? And then they beat a Pac twelve team in the championship game when they beat Oregon. But the big difference is that Ohio State team lost the game early on in the regular season, so they only finished fourteen and one. So when we talk about the teams that have gone fifteen and zero in this playoff era, Michigan did, Ohio State didn't. So just a little That's thing, thing we can hold over their heads. That's right. We finished fifteen and zero. Not only did Ohio State, the two thousand four team, didn't, but now we can say that neither did Washington in twenty twenty three. Absolutely right. And yep. what's crazy is that Washington will now be joining us in the Big Ten. Yep. And I, I just think it's it's crazy that like we ended this year with playing them, and that's kind of like, hey, welcome to the Big Ten, and and now we will go through future years playing them within our conference. Yep. And I, I kind of wondered towards the end of this game, like, is this kind of like the start of a mini, mini rivalry? You know, it's just like every game is going to be, I wouldn't say like a rematch. It will never be equaled, but I just wonder if, if Washington will ever go into the game with a little chip on the shoulder, you, you know, know saying sure like that, it would, you know, the players that are left uh, from this team, sure. you know, they're like Michigan, Washington, I think is also going to lose a lot of guys. They will. So on October 5th in Seattle, when they play each other again later this year, the teams are going to look very different. 
but yeah, for sure. You know, for the coaches, like like the head coach at least, you know, he'll still be there. And uh, but yeah, it's it's it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And you know, we'll know a lot more about both teams because it's it it's in October, so they will have played several games by then. Right. See, you know, what does each team look like with their you know kind of rebuilding rosters? So that'll be fascinating to see where each team is at that point. You know, ten months from now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of fifteen to zero. And how sweet that is to finally say, let's look back as if it's like the beginning of the season and looking, going through these games that kind of took to get to that 15 and 0. I, I couldn't sit here and recall every single game as far as like my feelings or anything like that. But we do know obviously the record that it took to get there and the scores of those games. So looking at very first game of the season going in ECU, what were you thinking, feeling a- after this game? I mean, this is like one of those times where this could have turned out like an Appalachian state game, which I don't even want to you know, talk about, but any, anytime you've got a team that faces a, a team that, you know, is kind of like, I want to say it's kind of like a practice team, but you know, in a way it's not supposed to be a very difficult game. First game of the season. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's no way around it. Like the, the non-conference schedule as a whole was an absolute joke this year. You know, I believe part of it was like Michigan was supposed to be playing like UCLA, um, and then that those games were canceled. They had like a home and home schedule with UCLA that that fell through. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you know, East Carolina, like obviously Michigan dominated them. I believe Roman Wilson had caught like three touchdowns in that game. I feel like one of the things I remember thinking as far as Roman Wilson goes, it's like, OK, like he's wearing number one now. He switched numbers. Number one is, a, you know, very much a special number for wide receivers in the Michigan history. And we haven't had like a, a great, like number one worthy receiver in a while. And so I, I love seeing him kind of start the season off so strong in that game. And so you kind of kind of made you wonder like, okay, is this going to be like the next great season for a Michigan receiver? And, and then, you know, going to the UNLV game, I don't really remember much about that game. I know the, the touchdown that they scored, I believe was in garbage time when like the second or third string defense was out there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, not, not really too much that was memorable about about that game. Although UNLV did end up having a pretty good season, you know, like in their, in their conference and stuff. Right. It makes it a still like an impressive win for Michigan, but they were probably the best of the three non-conference team. We, we right. Well, it was a, it was a great start to Blake's kind of dominance run of this season. I mean, he scored three touchdowns, ran 80 yards in that game. Okay. Um, so really kind of, I feel like it was like a kickstart to his to his record-setting season here. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the thing, you know, for Blake Corum for, for a lot of the season, at least those first like eight or nine games or so, a lot of his touchdowns were just like, you know, goal line carries basically. You know, he wasn't breaking off a bunch of long, like 20-plus yard runs. And, you know, he's still, he's coming back from having his meniscus repaired and, we didn't know like like how how good is he going to be? Is he going to get back to being the old Blake Corum from you know the the year before before his injury? And so that was still you know I think even that at that point still wondering like you know where where is he going to be? And obviously we saw as the season went on he just kind of kept regaining his old form. And obviously you know the starting in the PSU game he had so many clutch runs and the you know huge touchdowns against Penn State, Ohio State, Alabama, and then last night, yet again, like mm-hmm. he said, record-setting season for for the single season and career 
rushing touchdown records for Michigan. So yeah, and then we get into the Bowling Green game, and even yeah. though the score, you know, thirty-one to six, we scored thirty-one points, and that's with JJ McCarthy throwing three interceptions. So you know, he had looked so good in the first two games, and it's like, what is going on? This is Bowling Green. Like, what? What is happening? But that was just kind of a a one-off game, you know. And then the one of the things about not just the non-conference, but the first several games is like McCarthy didn't play in the fourth quarter of so many games. I want to say the next game, which was the Rutgers game, you know, conference opener, Harbaugh's first game after his three-game suspension to start the year. My family and I were at this game. You know, got to take the wife and kids to their first game at the big house, and we had a great time. And it was close enough that I do believe McCarthy started in the fourth quarter, but all he did was hand the ball off. I don't think they threw a single pass. They they drove the field, run after run after run, drained a bunch of clock. So that was really just so unusual for for them to be so dominant. And again, against mostly bad teams, I you know I totally understand that that caveat applies. But still, for the quarter for your starting quarterback to sit out so many fourth quarters is is kind of crazy. And they, because you never know, like when when are you going to need a fourth quarter comeback, like we did against Baylor? Right. Like he's not even playing in the fourth quarter for so many of these games. And obviously that you know that changed as the season went on and we started playing higher quality teams. But yeah, you know the Michigan was just beating up on far inferior teams for the first half of the season. Yeah, it's still. I mean, when you look at the you know the scoring record, obviously the entire record as a whole for the first half of that season, just even though you're dominating and you're watching your team just kind of play out with mistakes here and there, it's just still so fun to see like, you know, for those first few games, they didn't let anybody get more than a touchdown until Minnesota, you know, that was it. And that was only 10 points that they got on us. So it was like up until they played, what was it? Purdue or Penn state, you know, nobody got above 10 points. And obviously that speaks loads for the defense, but that's, that's just poise. You know, because you you can call them garbage teams, and you can call them, you know, some of that just uh, all up to the the schedule that we had. But still, that's still dominance, regardless. Yeah, and you know, it's not Michigan's fault that most of the Big Ten was trash this year. You know, I mean, that's true. Outside of Ohio State, Penn State, and you know, Maryland was okay, and you know, Iowa was. They're just. Iowa is, is ridiculous. The way that they're like their defense is so good and their offense was just so so bad. You know they go to the bowl game and they lose like thirty five nothing to I believe I believe it was thirty five nothing to Tennessee. Like the Big Ten West is terrible. And again, like some of the teams that are in the Big Ten East that are normally at least okay, like Michigan State, Indiana, terrible. Um, you know, so yeah, you know we we go to Nebraska win that game 45-7. It's our first road game. Again, completely dominant. Nebraska's only touchdown was a garbage time touchdown late in the game. Roman Wilson made that ridiculous catch in the back of the end zone where he like kind of caught it with the the defender's helmet. The helmet, yeah. Um, that was that was amazing and it's like that was one of those where like okay, I had no idea Roman Wilson could do that. And I, I believe he caught another touchdown in that game as well. You know, the Minnesota game, that was, you know, the, even though the defense did surrender 10 points, they also, I believe, scored 14 because there were two pick sixes in that game, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So the defense themselves still outscored Minnesota. 
Indiana, I remember that game. We were trailing early on. Indiana went up first because they got a big trick play that went for a touchdown. And obviously, you know, we ended up winning 52 to 7. So, you know, it just again, that was, that's what, that's, that's the first six games. Right. Or no, seven, sorry. Uh, so we're 7 to 0. And I believe this is around the time that all the Connor, Connor Stallions sign gate stuff started coming out. Yep. So I remember how I was feeling at first at that point, you know, when, when there was little information and, you know, more information starts coming out, just thinking like, Oh, great. Of course. Like the only reason Michigan finally, you know, got up to this next level of being able to beat Ohio state, whatever, make it to the playoffs. They were cheating. Like, and then, you know, as more and more stuff came out, it's like, okay, this is nowhere near as bad as it's being made out to be. And, you know, I'm sure there are still some bitter Michigan state or Ohio state fans that would argue otherwise, but, you know, their tears taste delicious this morning. I haven't tasted them yet, but I'll, I'll get there. No, you should. You should. I'll put that on my cereal or something, but. Yeah. Yeah. And then heading into this game eight against MSU was, again, there's so much swirling around it, like you said, with the Stallion stuff. And, and then obviously Michigan State's got their own drama. And then there's the uh, all the stuff that happened last year. It's uh, It's always... You know, this is our in-state rivalry. This is one of those games where you you come into it with really not knowing how it's going to go because emotions can get high and people can play with that pressure and people can get get nervous or anxious or whatever they want to view this game as. I'm you know I'm talking about the players on the field, so you never know what's going to happen. We've had so many you know trick plays, key plays, just kind of coming at the end and just really destroy any hopes of a win. And so coming in from a dominant season already into an MSU that's already hurting. You, you know, you didn't know what to think about this game other than just like, I mean, yeah, it's MSU. I just hope we trounce them. I really don't care if they're having a really rough season themselves. Yeah. I, I just honestly hope that we come out with a dominant win, you know, and that no emotional mistakes are made. And that's what the score signified is that we we just kept dominating in this one. I mean, 49 to zero. Yeah, it's the, great to get the shutout in this one. Yep. Um, you know, and again, Michigan State was really bad this year. There's no no way around that. But still, it's it's a win over your in-state rival, an in-state rival that you have struggled with a lot over the last, you know, 15 years. And, you know, even Harbaugh, I think his record now against MSU after nine seasons is only five and four. So, you know, you can't can't discount that just like weird stuff happens in this rivalry. You know, of course, last week, after we almost lost on a devastating muff punt safety or something, whatever that could have turned into, you know, I mentioned the trouble with the snap game. You know, Harbaugh's first year played a great game against MSU, close game. We've got the lead, trying to punt the ball away. Punter doesn't doesn't uh, get the snap cleanly, loses the ball. Michigan State returns it for a touchdown as time expires, game over, and just like brutal way to lose, brutal way for Harbaugh to start his his tenure against. Uh, you know, D'Antonio and Michigan State, and here we are nine years later, and he's only only one more one more than he's lost against them. So, you know, I think back to uh, 2017 game, which you and I watched together, uh, mm-hmm. doing one of our uh, FAWs and our first one actually. And right. you know, I remember it was just pouring rain. We got John O'Corn throwing interception after interception. So for some reason, they insist on just keep continuing to throw the ball when our offense is just brutally, brutally run by that quarterback. And, um, 
that was when like the Mr. Brightside thing really kind of took off. You know, they had started playing playing it in at the big house for for every home game. I think starting that year. But then that was the one where it's like the kind of the video went viral because it's a night game. It's a like a freaking monsoon. And, you know, it's like 110,000 people singing Mr. Brightside in the pouring rain. And that's when that kind of got started. And Michigan State or Michigan loses that game. So then for a while there, I was like kind of like I didn't want anything to do with the Mr. Brightside thing because it was associated with that game for me. Mm. And I, I've gotten over that since. And it, it's really cool when they do that in the stadium. Because the music cuts out, then the whole crowd just keeps singing. It's it's awesome. But anyway, so yeah, just you know, take for granted a win over Michigan State, no matter how bad they are. Not at all. And then after that, the wins just kept coming. We we played a, a Purdue team that wasn't really any. I wouldn't say there's not really any better. No, not really. And and that was a game that Michigan. There were some self inflicted wounds. Purdue, I don't remember if it was their touchdown or one of their field goals, but like they got it because Michigan muffed a punt and set them up with a short field. And there was like the offense kind of stalled some in the first half. I was I was kind of watching this game on my phone when I was at a wedding, so I wasn't watching it like like really keenly watching it play for play, you know, uh, like I normally would most games. But yeah, it was not the greatest performance, but you know, still coming out with a win, forty-one to thirteen. Can't really complain too much. No, no. And, but then after after that, the schedule just got. This is where it got really hard. Yeah, from the beginning of the season, we knew it was going to be basically like a three game season for the for the regular season. You mm-hmm. know, we get through those first nine games. We beat up on a bunch of bad teams. You know, I think Rutgers and Minnesota ended up winning their bowl games. I don't know about UNLV, um, but you know, beyond that, it's just like we're we coasted through those first nine games you know the biggest concern was like stay healthy you know you don't want to lose any key players to injuries that we're really going to need in those in those last three games and so yeah that all leading up to you know in our first big road test as well right playing playing penn state but on the road and fortunately it was not a night game you know the night games at penn state those are like those are insane like they're they have a really awesome home atmosphere so it's a tough place to play. So we we knew that going in, it was going to be a, a tough one. Yeah. But despite any kind of game that JJ had, we just kept sticking to that run. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's on JJ. Like, oh no. He, he he just look at his, if you look at his stat line though, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a shining moment for JJ as far as like letting him showcase anything on that arm. No. But, yeah, you know, Carson Barnhart, Hart, who was, playing most of the year at right tackle, he just looked horrible. Um, you know, he he was getting beat off the edge by a guy that's, you know, probably going to be a first-round pick in the upcoming draft um, in Chop Robinson. But, I mean, it was just like all it took was two series for them to realize, like, all right, we got to change this game plan up. And, you know, then they end up running 32 straight times and winning the game. You know, that was like Donovan Edwards had a, a nice touchdown run in that game. Mm-hmm. But, Later on, Blake Corum has the first of his major touchdown runs that all kind of look the same in the Penn State, Ohio State, and Alabama games. But yeah, Penn State, I believe it was last on the Rose Bowl podcast that I referred to Penn State's offense as hot garbage. And and that was true. And that's that's the reason why we were able to just run the ball as much as we did is because 
Penn State's offense was just not a threat at all. They had an outstanding defense, but their their offense just was not not up to snuff. So as much as we kept giving the ball back to them, we kept getting stops, kind of like last night. So we were able to, you know, and this was, again, after all the Stallion stuff, Harbaugh's suspended for the rest of the regular season. So they found out the day before. So then, you know, Sharon Moore is going to be the interim head coach. And and they got it done. Well, this is this is where like they were initially going through the appeal process in order to get him on the sidelines, and then he he ended up dropping it, from what I remember. Well, that was the next week. Yeah, so they they were okay, hoping, yeah, yeah, against Maryland. Get the get the like the suspension reversed. They got like you know like a TRO or whatever the temporary restraining order. Right. It was delayed till the next week, and so it was going to be like the next Friday was going to be the hearing for that. But then before the hearing happened, then before the Maryland game, that's when Michigan dropped it. And they, you know, just accepted the the remainder of the suspension. And so then so then we knew going into Maryland and Ohio State, both on the road or sorry, Maryland was on the road again, Ohio State at home, Sharon Moore would be the acting head coach. Yeah, and man, what a job he did. I mean, I know we're still talking about the regular season games and compiling those, but Man, for him to take that mantle on and just see, it really got to showcase for him his abilities. So, so wherever he goes from Michigan, you know, I think he's got whatever next gig in the bag. But he's he's just such a locked in Michigan man, players coach. You know, you can just tell that. Yeah, you hear it in every kind of speech after every win that we've had. But the players always rally around all the coaches. But the way that they rallied around him and just kind of lifted him on their shoulders after each win without Harbaugh. Was just yeah. really cool to see, you know, especially with this one here. And I think I think it was first the Penn State game where they really got to showcase, you know, him his emotions after the game. And it, yeah, just really it really taught me a lot about him. You know, usually I just see him on the sidelines, but being able to hear him speak and just the humility that he has is really reflective of the whole team. And they carry that throughout these next few games. Yeah. So we uh, so we got away with the victory at Maryland, but it was it was a hard fought game. Yeah, and that's typical of the the game before the Ohio State game. You know, last year we played Illinois, and, and it was a good Illinois team, but it was just a slog. You know, and it took a, a field goal with like twenty seconds left to win because Michigan was making mistakes. You know, there was a drop touchdown. There was a a, a wide open guy that McCarthy missed on that. I, would have at least been a first down. We're trying to, you know, come back in that game. Jake Moody just kept nailing all his field goals and, you know, again, hit the game winner. And this year it was similar, you know, on the road against Maryland. You know, they have a really talented quarterback in Tungavailoa. Uh, to his bro. To his, to his little bro, yep. And, but, yeah, you just, you got to find a way to win, survive in advance in those games. You know, it's a trap game. You've got the huge showdown with Ohio State coming up the next week. And you got to find a way to, you know, focus on the the team in front of you. And JJ threw a, a really bad interception, his first one since that weird Bowling Green game where he threw three of them. And then there was, you know, we 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 jumped out to a big lead. We were up like I don't know, it was like twenty one to three or something. You know, the the defense got a touchdown, and then they got a safety on a like a blocked punt, or maybe it was a mishandled snap punt, whatever whatever it was. Um, so it looked like we were going to win it running away again. And then Maryland came back. They, you know, they were moving the ball on us and we, uh, we escaped though. Yeah. 
Yeah, that definitely did feel like an escape the way you describe it like that. It's just we got out and we got all set to just prepare for the next week. And we've, you know, we've talked about this game nonstop, you know, ever since it happened and the sweet victory that it is. But the Ohio State week, you know, anybody can go back and listen to that episode and just kind of hear the the full recap of that. But just, yep. man, so much riding on that game. Yep. You know, we, we call it the game. And coming out of that 30-24, when it could have look, looked so different, I mean, you're right when you say that that really was, that was the real Big Ten title game right there. It was, yeah. You know, the Iowa being the Big Ten West champions still did not deserve to be in the Big Ten championship game. You know, Michigan wins that game 26 nothing because Iowa's offense is an absolute joke. And, yeah, the, the week before the game, that was the Big Ten championship because whichever team won that game was going to trounce Iowa. And any other team that might have made the Big Ten championship game from the West Division, it was going to be similar anyway. You know, the fact that Iowa still won the West just shows you how bad the rest of the division was. Yes, yes. Yeah. Definitely, if you haven't already, you can go back and listen to our, our you know, Ohio State game recap reaction episode. Yeah, not a whole lot to say about the Iowa game other than just, I mean, my family, we were at that game, and we had a great time. It was, it was awesome being there again. You know, and, and of course, not to diminish the accomplishment of like three straight Big Ten championships, you know, and again, we talked about this a lot before in the Ohio State game, but like, you know, for so long, we, we didn't go to Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship. Ohio State was going, it felt like every year, and we just kept losing. Michigan State had been there two or three times, won two or three times, and Michigan had never gone. And now here we are three, year, three years later, we've been three times. We've won three times. We beat Ohio State three times in three years. And but again, like the players kept saying, job's not done. Job's not done. No, we still got two two more games to win. And yeah, you know, again, it, we've got you know our, our Rose Bowl episode is out there. You can go back to that from last week and, and listen to our reaction from the from the Rose Bowl win against Alabama. But yeah, I mean, what a season, you know? Beat up on some on some bad teams and then ran through our, our tough, you know, backloaded gauntlet of a schedule. We beat, you know, Penn state and Ohio state, both top 10 teams, Alabama, Washington, both top 10 teams, um, you know, in Washington, of course, they'll still finish the season at number two, or at least they should. Oh, for sure. And Alabama will be some there, somewhere there, right, right around the top five. Ohio state yeah. may not finish in the top 10, or they might be right there around the, the bottom of the top 10. Penn State will finish somewhere, probably top 15 still. But, yeah, I mean, just the way that they they just kept finding ways to win and finally get over this hump and climb that mountain has been been amazing. You know, because it was – that was the expectation at the beginning of the season. Like, right. it was a national championship or bust season for, like, we knew all of the talent and the experience that we had coming back on this team – you know, we get some t- key transfers coming in, like we did the year right. before. You know, a couple offensive linemen, uh, Josh Wallace. We I mean, we desperately needed another cornerback to to play opposite Will Johnson, and I think right. he targeted less than Will Johnson was last night. Yes, he played a great season. You know, we finally have some continuity with JJ coming back at quarterback. You know, like in the Harbaugh era, there have been so many different quarterbacks. It seems like a different guy every year. The one other exception to that would be Shea Patterson in eighteen and nineteen. But he kind of regressed in his second year. So, 
you can't really hang your hat on that. But you know, you know, you've got like a first round talent and JJ at quarterback, and then even though you have that expectation, like this team could and maybe even should win the national championship, you just still week after week you're just bracing yourself for like there's just so and many ways that it can go wrong. One anything stumble, can happen. Yeah, one stumble and and you're done. But they didn't. They didn't. They didn't do it, and they they finished that business. They did. They didn't let off the gas once, no matter what team it was. I mean, we y- y- this is football. So honestly, you can say like any team can have any kind of missteps at any time. It can happen, and there can be mistakes made. And we did, and we did make them. There were times throughout the season where you can remember the certain plays where, whether it's a you know interceptions that are thrown, passes that are dropped, you know, whatever. Things can happen and the game can change in any possible way at any second. We saw that it could have, you know, the game against Ohio State and the game against Bama could, those two totally could have gone the other direction. And there were plenty of reasons that that could have happened, but they just kept pushing through. And it's so, after every win, especially as a team is, you know, going well and they're on their path and they're, you know, almost projected to get to the playoffs, every player says this at the end of the game, but job's not done. You know, job's not done. You know, they say that on the podium and they're saying that to all the fans and everybody cheers and that's great. But when these players said it, it just felt like, no, there was there was business to accomplish. Like this wasn't a we're just glad we won and we're just, you know, we're we're glad to be there. But like there was a clear intended mission mission, like you said, from the very beginning of this season. It wasn't just a fan expectation that comes every year. It was a every single one of us have have stayed for this reason. Every single one of us are locked in for this reason, coaches and players and administrators alike. This is, there is no other end to this season than yeah. to finish this business that has started since we took on Jim Harbaugh, but also since three years ago kind of became like, we got to get back there, you know, and there were promises made and like things declared and all of that just kind of came to fruition. You know, like these players are just manifesting this. And it was just incredible to to be able to go back and listen to the things that JJ and Blake have said last year, like you've referenced, like they did it. Like, I mean, guys that held to their word and really just put their all in and laid it all out there on the field, mistakes or not, like it, it all came true. And then obviously now we got the result of last night and now all the reactions and the headlines. Yeah, there, there would be no consolation prize for this season, you know. Like even just like winning the Rose Bowl, but then losing last night. Like, sure, it you know it felt great after winning and beating Bama, but then to to get all that way and then lose in the national championship game would have been really really tough to to stomach. But yeah, you know, I just I stayed up way too late last night, just kind of just basking in the, the oh yeah we- joy of of finally winning a national championship after so long. And you know the Sports Center with uh, Scott Van Pelt comes on after the game and after the post game coverage, and there's just this big headline on the screen behind him. It says Michigan wins national championship, and there's mm-hmm. A's and blue everywhere, and there's you know highlights and pictures of the game and the players, and I'm just like I I can't this can't be real like I, I because for so long I never thought this was possible. I did not think this was gonna, as early or as as recently as four years ago. You know that 2020 COVID season. All hope seemed lost. I was, I, I had lost all hope that Harbaugh was was going to do what we thought he he would when he came here. So just like, what a rewarding thing for our fan base that has gone through a lot of stuff over the last couple of decades. You know, the Appalachian State loss, the you know aforementioned trouble with the snap against Michigan State, and 
all the losses to Ohio State, the losses in bowl games, you know, we've we have remained faithful. And I, I won't necessarily say I've remained hopeful because, like I just said, I, there was a time where I was not. But then this, you know, this three-year climb to the top has just been an amazing, amazing ride. It has. And it's it's been full of adversity. You know, again, like anybody listening to this who's not a Michigan fan, like, of course, you're going to say your season had adversity. Of course, you're going to say you overcame so much. But we did. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. But all the things that were pushed against the school itself, our coach, the players, different injuries, mistakes on the field, whatever. And then, you know, I, I think the, the one that comes to mind as far as injuries that impacts the team the most was Zinter going down. By far, yeah. You know, who is clearly, you know, they, they emphasize the team so much, but clearly an integral part of the team and the leadership. And just to continue to see how an injury like that was overcome by the team was, was just incredible, especially going into the end of the season here. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy's a unanimous All American. Anytime right. you a player of that caliber, you know, it's it's daunting to think about like how are they going to overcome this? And in some ways, I, I don't want to say it was like a blessing in disguise, but that the way that that forced them to move Barnhart to the interior to to right guard and then bring in Trente Jones to play right tackle, like honestly, like that might have been enough of an upgrade at right tackle. And enough of a push at right guard to make it a, at least just kind of like they at least held held even from from when Zinter was in there. And you know why? I don't know why Trente Jones wasn't playing over Barnhart at right tackle in the first place. But it always seemed like he was playing better whenever he came would would come in the game. And you know he played really well. He was like kind of that sixth man on the O-line would come in for like the jumbo packages, especially in that Penn State game. We were just lining up like heavy personnel and just trying to run it down their throats. So, yeah, they, you know, they, they found a way to overcome losing one of their best players. Yeah. We, I mean, you talk about the headline and the things that were behind SVP as he was presenting his show. One of my favorite headlines that I saw last night immediately as the win took place, because obviously every news source has their headlines ready. But the one was that, Michigan steamrolls Washington to the national championship or in the national championship. And I was just like, that's true. We did. We did steamroll them. And that felt so good to read because going into this game, this truly could have been, I mean, they had a good defense, not the number one defense, but they had a good defense and they had an incredible offense that any game prior to this in their season, this easily could have been a much more competitive game, you know? And so going into this game to, to see, a new source write that steamroll is like we yeah we did and the way you can see that is in the stat lines of every single thing that took place throughout this game i mean most rushing yards in bcs cfp title game history yeah which is that's an incredible state because i mean i again like i didn't know i didn't study and memorize all the previous stats you know as we're going throughout the season but what was the one is that the team that we topped who had previously held a record for that was ohio state yeah what a sweet feeling that is. Another Just, another thing to hold over their heads from their 2014 team compared to this one. Right. Yep. But we just had so many unreal stat lines from this game that, that brought this win to full fruition. We had more that, rushing yards than they had total yards. Yeah, incredible. We had both of our guys rush for over 100 yards. Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. Yep. I mean, they both easily could have been vying for MVP of that game based on how they played. Especially yeah, but, Donovan dominating that first quarter. 
Yeah, I mean, I I really thought after he had those two touchdowns, I was like, well, he's going to end up being MVP of the game. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Donovan Edwards all year. Just, you know, after last year, he had those two huge runs against Ohio State, had a great game in the Big Ten Championship game against Purdue. You know, really thought, like, coming into this year, it was going to be the one-two punch of Corum and Edwards. And, you know, got the best running back duo in the country. And Donovan Edwards is, is extremely talented. Obviously, he's super fast. We saw his just breakaway speed on display last night. But, you know, that it just really didn't come to fruition for him this year as the kind of our second running back. You know, you'd like to see them involve him more in the passing game and, like, just getting him out into space and, you know, using his speed and agility because he doesn't have the vision. He doesn't have the cutting ability. He doesn't have, like, the power and balance that Corm has to make him, like, a truly great, like, between-the-tackles running back. But, man, both of those runs, like, he ran right into the O-line and then bounced it outside and just hit a hole, and, and he was gone because he's yeah. so fast. It was awesome to see. Just, like, so happy for him because, you know, it, it had been a tough season for him. You know, just coming it in did. there were and thinking he's got one more year to showcase his abilities before he goes to the NFL, more than likely this year, like, and he just he's just always so positive. He just seems like a such a great like teammate and like presence in the locker room. So for him to actually get get those two touchdowns and and have those moments on, you know, on such on the biggest possible stage, like I it made me so happy for him. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly thought when b- before they announced the the game MVPs, I honestly thought it would be him just because of the way that he came out and performed like that. And honestly, without his two touchdowns at the beginning right there, we would have never had that kind of lead where we could say like, okay, going into each series by Washington, I can feel a little okay. There's obviously anxiety, but like he gave us that. He really did. His That first touchdown really just showcased, again, the kind of player that he can be when he's put out there and given the ability to go. And the way that he bounced off of his guys and just like kept going to the end zone, like you said, like, man, I really missed being able to see him play this season. And, yeah. I, and I honestly hope he ends up somewhere where they can showcase him because yeah. he's got the ability to to just bullet right out of there and make those big plays. And so, yeah, it was like you said, it was just really cool for him to have that as a finish. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's such a great note for him to end his Michigan career on more than likely, you yeah. know. Because this season, if if it had finished the way it, it's been going most of the year, it would have kind of left a bad taste in your mouth. Not not because he was doing anything wrong or anything like that, but just because like it would have felt kind of like his talent was wasted, you know. Other than a couple big games last year, but now he's got he's got those two long touchdowns against OSU. He's got the two long touchdowns from last night. Like he's gonna have like those four runs are gonna be on like the all time Michigan highlight reel. Mm-hmm. So. He has left still quite a legacy. Maybe not, certainly not on the level of Blake Corum, but still, it's it's really awesome to see somebody like him have have those moments. Yeah, that run though, in particular, where he I'm, I'm always going to talk about because it, it just lives in my mind rent free now of him bouncing off his defenders. I texted you last night after it happened. I was like, I've done that play several times <laughs> in NCAA football. You know, just playing on a team where it's just, you know, it's obviously the computer players, but you can run into guys who just like stand there like brick walls and they're just like, okay, I'm just going to keep running around you then. Right. It happens all the time, but it really like came to fruition in real life with these guys. And so, yeah, yeah, it, was just, yeah it was just a really cool way to get that first touchdown and get that first strike and then never give it up. Yeah. 
Yeah, just uh, I remember like just the way I was feeling after that first touchdown. There's there's a certain like weight that you know again like the anticipation all day. Like you just have no idea how the game's gonna go. There's so many different ways it could go. Like you knew going into the game, the keys to the game were Michigan's got to run the ball so we can keep their offense off the field, and then on on defense, you know we gotta like limit their big plays, keep everything in front. Even if, you know, they're going to pick up some yards, but, like, let them drive the field, but then, you know, hold them to field goals and, you know, don't let them hit any of those big, big over-the-top throws. And and that's exactly what they did. And it showed, like, on that first drive, it's like we're just before the Donovan Edwards run. You know, we're picking up five, six, seven, whatever yards a carry. And, and then, you know, next possession, Washington gets the ball, they drive the field, but then they saw and we force a field goal. It's like this game is going exactly how we knew it would need to go for Michigan to win the game. And then we come out and <laughs> Edwards gets another one. You know, he gets the the longer touchdown run and it's like, okay, here we go. And then the next possession when Washington has the ball down 14-3 and they've got a third and short and Mikey Sainer still makes that unbelievable tackle on camera. It was Polk or McMillan, one of the Washington receivers where it like, it looks McMillan, like I think, yeah. he's going to break out of the arm tackle and he's got like a lot of open field. There were multiple times where a Michigan guy made a tackle on the edge like that where there was like nobody else around. So if they don't make that tackle like that, Washington player has a lot of space. But, you know, he, he slowed him down with one arm and he was able to wrap him up and, and force the punt. And then I think it was the first play of our, of our possession then. Blake Corum breaks his really long run. And but but from that point on, the offense just totally stalled, and it was the whole second and third quarters were rough offensively. They were, but I mean, kind of going back to the the key stats of the game though is one of the things that needed to happen in order for us to have the game that we did is to not commit any turnovers on our side, and and, and that that happened. There were zero turnovers, which showed you know even though there were multiple slip ups, three and outs, whatever it was JJ's poise and decision making that really was the key to to driving that and to making sure no mistakes were made. You yeah. never want to see in a game like this your team go three and out, obviously. You want to see them just keep scoring and continue that steamroll going. But JJ kind of didn't he didn't make those those throws that could have ended up being mistakes. There weren't a whole lot of places that you said like, oh that could have been an interception. You know, it just seemed like he had the perfect amount of composure, composure and poise to be able to not try to just like create any kind of highlight reel for himself and okay with having that low key game to let the run game do what it needed to do. Just keep the guys, you know, run the clock as much as he can, but to not make any of those just really bad choices that could result in a turnover. And, you know, I'm so glad we came out on that side of having to say like we didn't commit a single turnover when on the opposite side of the ball. We watched our defense just, you really could say that like, hey, you want to hand the MVP trophy? Print a bunch of them because our entire defense needs them. Like that defense really just drove our game. Yeah, I, I guess I should I should add that technically Michigan did commit one turnover when they went when they went for that fourth down and didn't get it. But yeah, JJ, you know, obviously like that TCU game, throwing two pick sixes, the fumble at the one yard line. That wasn't JJ, but just the team in general. Like for them to protect the ball the way they did, there was the one play where JJ was kind of outrunning or trying to escape the pocket, and the offensive or the defensive lineman kind of dove and just kind of hit the back of his leg, and JJ ended up getting tripped up. 
he's holding the ball with one hand, like arms stretched out and like behind him. I'm like, uh, we, he's so fortunate that he didn't lose that ball. But yeah, like you said, like the defense is the, is the hero of this game. Like to hold that Washington offense to 13 points and to be just constantly put in position where like, I mean, the vibes with this Washington team is every time they had the ball, you're just waiting for it. They're going to hit one of those deep shots and they're going to tie the game. Michigan kept giving the ball back, going three and out. But like you said, they, you know, they didn't turn the ball over except for that one. But like, you know, no interceptions, nothing to set, to set Washington up with like a real short field. I believe Washington's touchdown did follow that failed fourth, fourth and fourth down play. Like we, you know, we, we missed the fourth down. Washington takes over. I believe that's when they drove and scored their touchdown. But, and then the vibes at that point, I mean, you know, Michigan is up is 17 to 10 and, you know, Washington has just scored their touchdown and they're getting the ball at the beginning of the second half. The vibes at that point were just like, I I texted this to you. I was like, it feels like a tight game already. Second half hasn't even started yet. And you're like, we all just knew like Washington's going to just drive the field again. They're going to score. It's going to be a tie game. Michigan's all struggling for the second quarter. It's like, here we go. We were, you know, and after Blake Corum broke off that long run and it was, you know, it was 14 to three and you're thinking, okay, we go, we're going up 20 to 21 to three and this is it. But I just, I couldn't let myself like put my guard down yet. And this is exactly why, you know, the second and third quarters were just such a slog, but the defense kept coming up with stop after stop after stop. It was really, really amazing the way that they just kept Washington at bay when our offense just wasn't doing them any favors whatsoever. What was that note that you made? What what hasn't happened any team since 1903? Yeah, the defense didn't allow 25 points in any game the entire season, and that has not happened since 1903. You know, Ohio State and Maryland both scored 24 in the last two games of the regular season, but uh, too bad for Ohio State. They gave up 30, so they still lost. Yep. Yeah, just just an amazing performance. Like The average points per game allowed was like 10, 10.5 or something like that. This incredible. Yeah, it like, was. Some of these, you know, we played Ohio State with Marvin Harrison and other five-star receivers, and we play Alabama, who's just got five-star talent everywhere and a super athletic quarterback, and and then obviously Penix and that trio of wide receivers and their tight ends made some plays. And like they just they just kept just doing what they were doing all year. You yep. know, like, pass rush by committee putting a lot of pressure on on Penix. They only got the one sack and that Kenneth Grant, like that sack that he had was unreal. He just completely bulldozed the offensive lineman and got in there for the for the sack, but even if they weren't bringing him down, you know, they were they were forcing him to rush throws, they were making him uncomfortable. You know, he's not getting his seat feet set. He missed some open guys like Michigan, you know, we were lucky on that one play when Adunze was wide open on the fourth down and he just overthrew him. And there were a couple other times where he either overthrew a guy or they dropped a ball. I mean, Michigan had a drop too. So that, you know, that happens. But yeah, just overall, limiting that offense the way that this defense did for for the entire game was really incredible. Yeah. There were two key interceptions in this game. And it's so beautiful that we got two. I love that fact because, you know, now you have to choose which one was your favorite. You know, it's like choosing your favorite kid. I can't, obviously. And I have two, so I would never say that. But of these interceptions, which one for you was like, man, that one was like got me, got my heart going the most. Well, the I would say 
they're so different and I'll like, I'll, I'll talk about them both. The first one, you know, kind of going back, like just the vibes at halftime, you feel like, you know, we're up 17, 10, but the game already feels tied. Washington gets the ball and on the first play of the game, you know, pressure, we're, we're getting pressure on, on Penix. He kind of air mails this ball and Will Johnson comes up, comes up with it on the sideline. He makes this incredible play where at the very last second, it looks like the ball is going to hit the ground when you're watching the replay. Somehow he manages to get his left hand under the corner of that football or the tip of that football before it hits the ground. And then you see the other angle and see that he was just barely in bounds, like with his shoulder and his back and like, how did he catch that ball? And so that was just immediately like, okay, we felt like Washington was going to come out and score and tie the game, but now we have the ball. Of course, the offense stalled again, and we just kicked a field goal. But still, it felt it felt good to be okay. Now we're up two scores at least. You know, it's, it's twenty to ten, and I, I I would have to pick the second interception though because that was like that was the moment where I finally like completely let myself believe like we're winning the national championship. Like I was, I was going to ask you this question later, like, but for me, like the defining moment where I had like my, my big reaction, like it's happening was the same or still interception where like, you know, Washington it's fourth and 13. Like they've got to score a touchdown here. We're up two scores. Like if we get a stop here, it's, it's over. And not only did we get to stop, but you know, he returns it all the way down to whatever it was inside the 10 yard line. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, were able to punch it in from there. But that that was like that was the moment where I was it finally like completely sunk in in my head. Like I was believing a hundred percent Michigan is winning the national championship. Yeah. I gotta pick the second one. But what about you? I mean, I think it's kinda obvious to to pick it is the second one. I mean, they were both great and both of them gave such hope, but it was the second one that really cemented it. I love that it was Mikey that got it, you know just to see him have a showcase moment in this game. You want to see everybody come out and have that kind of stellar moment to be able to add to a highlight reel or really to be cemented in, in the history of the game. But yeah, for him to to get that in the way that he did. And, you know, it, it's kind of rough because like when a quarterback is playing the way that Penix did all season and then to see he was dealing with a lot this game, you know, especially coming towards the end of the game, he was yeah. hurt. And that and that's rough to see because it's like you're already like beating them, and then this guy is just playing hurt. You know, Johnson was already playing hurt. That's not why we won, but still, like after every single play, like Penix is just like holding his side, and he's just like he's already physically feeling defeated. And then for that interception to happen, like you know, we you know we're in our mid thirties now, so we can look back at these college guys and just say like, yeah, there's sometimes where I feel bad for these kids because they're they're kids, you know sort of they're not kids like our kids but they're younger and so they're dealing with different emotions and they're things that they have hopes for just like we did and they have you know visions of of victory and they've got hopes for what goes on after football and so yeah you you look at these guys and yeah I feel I feel somewhat for Penix and just in that emotion of the moment of having to deal with now the physical pain of also facing now that I'm also gonna emotionally and mentally lose this game like that's hard but it was that interception, like you said, that really kind of sealed it in a way that I didn't I didn't sit down after that interception. I uh, was on, you know, I'm on my feet after that. Of like everything that came after was just so was so beautiful. Yeah. And we let my oldest, who's eight, stay up as long as he could. And we, we told him, we kept telling him too, like when we got to halftime, like, buddy, halftimes they're long, you know, you can feel free to just like fall asleep. 
you don't have to stay away from the game. I'll come tell you when we win or if we win, whatever. And I told him I'd wake him up if we won. Uh-huh. And but yeah, because obviously there weren't good feelings going into halftime, and so I like didn't really feel like I'm I can't promise a win, buddy. But if we win, I will wake you up and tell you. And so he he made it well into the into the second half. Uh-huh. But it was after that interception was made. I, I looked at him. I said, "You can go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> we got this. It's okay." And so, so yeah. I mean, I showed him the highlight reel later of of that interception, and then the the touchdown that followed. But it, yeah, it's just it, it's such an an incredible feeling to have that one. It was kind of like the it it sort of brought back the emotions of the the final interception against Ohio State, and then. Obviously, yeah. that that fourth down stop against Alabama the week before of just like when you have that that drop feeling of like my my anxiety is gone. Like what I don't know what happened, but like I just took the pill and there it is. Like it's gone. I don't feel that anymore. I'm calm. I'm good. I'm just now riding this like straight line on the roller coaster and coasting to the end here. And this is this is an incredible feeling. Yeah. Getting back to the defense, obviously we can highlight those two interceptions, and I just wanted to talk about them because they're incredible. But the the fact that we also held Washington to just one touchdown, yeah, to how a guy like Michael Penix to one touchdown, which yeah, it was just unreal, especially seeing the performance that came out of last week's game against Texas. You know, it, it easily could have been showcased in the same way. And I told you earlier in the week that I literally had I don't know how many nights it was before last night, but I had a nightmare about, you know, I was just sitting there watching touchdown after touchdown, Washington just score and the ball going over our heads and guys being wide open and them just dancing into the end zone. And I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious and I don't know what dreams can come, but that's, uh, that one I'm so glad did not actually play out. And the fact that that nightmare didn't even turn to any kind of reality because there was that one play where Penix just like launched it down the field and we, they, he had a guy clearly wide open, and I almost thought for like a millisecond that he caught it, and it just sailed just too far for the, for a wide open receiver, and then that was a three and out for them. And I was like, oh, I don't maybe that wasn't a three and out, but that was an early in the game play where I was like, if he catches this and dances into the end zone, it's going to be an onslaught. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There there were some some uncharacteristic busts in the Michigan secondary, like. They really have not done that all year, even against Ohio State. And I will say, I feel like one of the reasons why Michigan was prepared for this game is, is like the last three years, like their defense has literally been designed around beating Ohio State and limiting the big plays in the passing game because Ohio State has like an NFL level passing game, and that's what this Washington team had as well. NFL quarterback with NFL receivers, and Michigan's entire defense has been designed around defeating that and so that benefited Michigan huge in this game you know like and so some of the busts we had though were 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 uncharacteristic but you know fortunately they didn't make us pay on on all but there was really just the one late in the game I I think it was the one before the Saint was still interception like he hit a big play to Odunze but then you know we ended up getting the interception and and that kind of sealed the deal but yeah, the, I mean, that was the nightmare. You know, I didn't have a literal nightmare, but like in my mind, when I was awake, that's what I was thinking about. Like, what if Michigan can't can't stop? Because that, I mean, literally anytime I would turn on a Washington game all year, 
you know, especially I watch like the Washington Oregon games in the regular season and then Pac twelve championship. I'm like they just throw bomb after bomb and like Penix is and of course the Texas game too. Like Penix is so great at, at putting it in a, a tight window and those receivers have unbelievable ball skills like catching contested balls and and Michigan was really able to limit that. I think ultimately the most most of it was was the pressure they were able to get on Penix and and just you know making him rush some of those throws. But yeah, as you know, you talked about with your experience with your your oldest son and like we we were going to do the same with our kids and let them stay up and just because you never know, you know, it's a school night. Like I felt bad for him. We had to wake him up this morning. Like they were so tired. But my my oldest, who's nine, which is how old I was, and you know, in 90, 98 when Michigan won the national championship. But they, he was like, he was getting real tired. He's the one, like my youngest, who's seven. He's he, he's fine. He can stay up. He's not the one that's in danger of falling asleep. And my oldest is like, he's the one that'll that'll. He's just talking about how tired he was, and so he was kind of like cuddled up with me on the couch. But then he was, and he was like not even watching the game anymore. Like he was trying to go to sleep. But then, like I just kept reacting to stuff, and so that would like kind of scare him and wake him up. Or I don't know if he, I don't think he ever actually did fall asleep. But the Saner still interception. You, know, you talk about how he didn't sit down the rest of that game. Like at first when it happened, like I got excited, but I didn't get up until he started running it back. I'm like, oh, this could actually go all the way. So then I start like I stand up and start like jumping up and down, and you know, obviously he ended up getting tackled just short. But yeah, like I said, that was that was the moment where it was like, okay, this is real. It's happening. But yeah, for Mikey Sanger still to be the one to make that play, you know, his story is incredible. Like he came in as a, you know, like a three star. He's a wide receiver. But I think he had played some defensive back as well, like in high school. And then, you know, Michigan has Daxton Hill in 21, who was a five star. And he's a great nickel, you know, like the slat, slot corner. And he goes to the NFL. And then so, you know, before last year, it's like, all right, who's going to replace him? And they switch Sainer still from offense to defense and put him in at nickel back. And, and he's just been incredible for these two seasons on defense. You know, he's an All-American this year. You know, last year, his defining moment was the the touchdown breakup against Ohio State. You know, in the end zone, he tips the ball out of Stover's hands to kind of help, you know, seal that, seal that game. And, you know, for him to have this moment. And he already had at least two pick sixes. You know, he had one against Michigan state this year. He had one in the Rutgers game. And then now to have this, this interception, I mean, he's just, he's done it all for this team. And he's, he's right up there with the Blake Corums and, you know, like those, those level of players, as far as his legacy and how it will go down in Michigan history. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's still incredible to sit here and be actually talking about this. Like this feels like a dream. To be actually to actually be talking about this and looking back and saying like this is the factually not just by feeling but factually this is the greatest season in Michigan football history and I I honestly I didn't know if we would ever be able to say that in our time of being able to watch football and enjoy it with our kids yeah you know I always thought we'd look back at '97 and be like hey kids there once was a time when Michigan was national champions but now they live in this era. And we can, you know, we can both say, as we talked about with their experiences, like my, my three-year-old stayed up until halftime. And for him, like that felt like Michigan was winning at that point. So he counted that as a victory. And, <laughs> and so we can say, and they can say that they were there when this happened, you know, not just 
watch the highlights, but say they saw certain plays happen and they saw certain guys go out on top. And so, yeah, this it's, it's really cool to be able to experience that stuff with our kids, but yeah. What, I mean, the, the, I guess the final, as far as like game time stuff goes, if you've got any more to talk about, obviously we can talk about it. But the other one to talk about was that, that you called that dagger drive. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, for the second and third quarters, it was just getting so frustrating, you know, and you just kept feeling, feeling like, you know, all the good vibes from the first quarter after the Edwards touchdowns and the Corum's long, long run were just completely gone. And even though we're still up, it's like you, again, it's been, we've said this, you know, repeatedly but it's true like washington is always just one play away and for for them to you know keep getting stopped but then the 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 offense it just felt like we just one more score you know like texting with you know you and i were texting throughout the game i was also you know usually texting with my dad and my brother we have a like a group thread usually during you know games and stuff and we were just saying like we'd take a field goal you know, we're up 20 to 13. We've been the 20 to 13 has been the score. So, you know, at the beginning of the second half, teams traded field goals after the Washington interception. And then it was just back and forth, like three and out, three and out. And it, you know, for Michigan to even just go up two scores, even with a field goal, would have felt monumental. And so, you know, we get the Colson Loveland, the 41 yard reception. You know, JJ throws a little bit high. He reaches up, makes an awesome catch. And then the guy that's right there behind him kind of like, does something kind of weird. He doesn't doesn't hit him. So then he's he's running in stride and, and picks up another twenty yards or so. That was huge. You know, it, it's kind of been a quiet couple of games for 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 Loveland. So that was a great play. And yeah, then, I knew we I knew we had to get our tight end involved in order to like make this happen. Like at least it's yeah. something because he's got to power that through. They were I mean they were utilizing their tight end so much and that guy was a beast. Yeah, I was like, we got to stop him, and we got to get ours involved a little bit here, and right. make some big key plays. And this was key. Yeah, and then we get a a big play to Roman Wilson, kind of on just like a sort of a you know crossing route, and he ends up you know picking another I think ten fifteen yards, another first down, and and then we get yet another to use the word that we use way too much in this podcast, iconic Blake Corum touchdown run. You know, again, we get the run against Penn State. We get the run against Ohio State after Zinter goes down. We get the overtime run against Alabama. And now we've got this run that it did. It felt like the dagger. Obviously, the same was still interception put like any doubt to rest. But this was like, okay, finally, our offense has finally come alive. Just like at the end of regulation against Bama, they needed to score. They finally came up with a, a drive, you know, it, and they, they go up. 27 13 <laughs> thanks barely 27 13 thanks to the you know the extra point doink, that song, doink. Right? Yep. fortunately still went in of course it it didn't end up mattering but yeah they just they finally came up with the the one drive they needed it's like as well as the defense was playing that's all we needed was just one more score from the offense and of course it's much preferred to get the touchdown instead of just a field goal but going up two scores with the way the defense was playing it just felt so so good and it was finally I, I think this is the point where you and i were saying like i think you said like oh my heart feels better now i'm like yeah i'm not quite there just yet because and then on the next drive you know washington finally hits one of their deep balls and but then you know with the saner saner still interception that's when my heart finally was like okay mm. you can rest now <laughs> i just i just needed that two score cushion i was telling my wife that the whole game like i was like i just need them to create some kind of bigger gap here because 
just one touchdown away was too much. Yeah. That was that was too much because we were so close constantly, especially with the Alabama game being in my mind still from last week. Like we're still so close to just basically being back to zeros. And I I can't have that with Penix playing the way that he was, you know, this whole season. So we gotta have a larger gap here. A two touchdown cushion just felt so much better for me, but like okay. All right, I can breathe a little more. And then came the interception and that was like, all right, now I can just keep breathing and you know, and, and feel so much better. But it was just, a, it was a, uh, it definitely was a relief to my heart to just be like, all right, all right. There's a, there's a much more real possibility now, like the, the needle shifts now so much more having yeah. that gap and that cushion there. And so, I mean, that's why I said that it was just like, I, I was on the verge of heart attack. And now like, I know that like, I, I got the medication and I'm feeling a little bit better here. I'm not like fully recovered, but ha- had Washington come back and scored a touchdown to make it again one touchdown game, then I would have been right back up there. But yeah. I still felt better. Yeah, definitely. You know, as we talked about this being the greatest season in Michigan history, and it was so great. Like you just, you know, like looking on Twitter and stuff. There's so many former players that were there. Like there was a huge group of the the NAS, the '97 national championship team was there. Other players from the the intermediate years from then to now, like I saw, like Chad Henney was there and you know of course like Mike Hart is is the running backs coach he's on the staff Denard Robinson is on the staff as a recruiting personnel person or something and like it you can just see what it means not just to the current players and the fans but like all the former players that have been especially these guys that have been in the program in the last 26 years and and went through some tough times you know never beating Ohio State or you know never making the playoff or whatever it is it's just so cool just to see what it means to the the program as a whole, including all the former players that we you know we've 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 watched and we love to watch, but they just could never never quite you know obviously make it make it to this point. So it's just it's such a it's a win great win for them too. Yeah, cool to see like even just like different greats from other sports there. Michael Jordan's obviously there because of Jumpman, and then Jeter's also there because of a Michigan guy. They didn't. They didn't show up. I didn't see if that Brady was there at all, but I'm sure. I bet he was. I mean, I it'd, be, it'd be hard to imagine him not being there. I, I feel like it would. It's hard to imagine him being him being there and them not showing it, though. It, like, it would be, but like, come on, it's national championship, Brady. But there was like no no pictures on social media or anything that I saw anywhere. Yeah, I thought was. I thought I saw him in a hoodie at one point, but I don't know. that was just hopeful thinking, I guess. But yeah. I have no yeah. idea. You know, he's oh, yeah. still supportive of the program in his time being the, the greatest quarterback ever in the NFL. Yeah. And also supportive of JJ, which is cool. Yeah. 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 I, I do want to say again on the, on the defense, especially the defensive line, you know, Washington won the Joe Moore award this year for the best offensive line, which Michigan had won the two seasons prior. So I think there was some extra motivation for our defense to be like, all right, these guys, they say they're the best offensive line. Let's like, let's, you know, we gotta, we gotta beat them. And, you know, there's a lot of players on on defense that don't get mentioned because they may not get sacks, but they just like we, like we've said, they've pressured the quarterback a lot. Like Braden McGregor, Josiah Stewart, who was another one of those transfers this year, Jalen Harrell, Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, Kenneth Grant. We did mention because he's the one that got that sack. Derek Moore, and like obviously, just like as a as a whole, like to have like whatever that is, eight or nine guys being able to rotate in and out especially a defensive tackle, like to have the depth we had at that position is huge. 
And that, you know, Rayshon Benny too, but he got injured in the Rose Bowl and he couldn't play last night. But like Rayshon Benny, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, Derek Moore, they'll all be back next year. You know, some of the other guys, I'm not sure. Like Braden McGrader, I think, could come back. But like those guys, just as a unit, have been so good all year at, at putting pressure on the quarterback. You know, there's, there's no Aiden Hutchinson, like a, a guy who just on his own can just be a one-man wrecking crew. But again, as a unit, those guys have just been so good. It's just been so much fun to watch them. And, you know, like obviously what they did against Milrow last week, all the sacks they got. And they did, they did just enough to put pressure on Penix last night to force some, some errant throws. And, and they deserve to be heralded as a unit. Oh, yeah. The entire team. The entire team. You know, we always say the team, the team, the team. But yeah. this truly was like there is you can look at every single quarter of this game, every single drive and see how this truly was not a highlight for just one person. But this was truly a team accomplishment and achievement. and. Yeah, it will go down in history as such a great season, such a great game, such a beautiful thing that we can now forever hold in our minds and our hearts as Michigan guys, you know, of like this is this is something that got to happen. We saw it experienced in it. Yeah. And the the you know, the the team, the team to team, another one of those mantras that I'm just you know, like they would say things like that and those who stay would be champions and I'd be like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat Ohio State, you know, like win something of, of consequence. I just got so tired of hearing all the all the cliches and stuff, but now yeah. Like, but this was yeah. This is the I, year that it actually came to fruition. It was like yes, this truly was a a team. You know, a quarterback with the talent of JJ McCarthy having you know like a not that he wasn't bad last night, but you know he just he didn't wasn't asked to do a whole lot. He made some good throws. He missed a couple of throws, but he doesn't care. Like he he's not trying to be the star quarterback. He's trying to win. And everybody on this team, again, like they have one goal to win. They don't care who gets the glory, who has the stats. It doesn't matter. They are truly a team with a capital T. And those who stayed are Big Ten and national championships. They're national champions. And it, it is it is true in this case, you know, and they are the, the victors valiant, the conquering heroes. And they're not only the champions of the West, they're the champions of the entire nation. Right. And they get to hold on to that forever. Yeah. There's there's two things I want to talk about before we wrap up here. And I don't want to talk about them too much because I just feel like it's almost too soon. But I feel like we have to talk about them a little bit. Is Yeah, we, we can talk about last night as much as we want to, and we will. I mean, we're going to keep talking about it even off of this podcast and just basking in the glory of what all this is and what it means. 100%. But, as uh, as a, as a Michigan as a Michigan fan and a Michigan follower, we know that there's a next season coming, yeah. and that means a lot for this team because we are we're losing quite a bit, you know. And there may never be another season like this, and especially it definitely might not come next season with all the changes that are happening. Who knows? So you 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 said this, you wrote this, and it's hard to read. It's hard to even like talk about, but to say like. Going out on top like this, or coming to this top in this pinnacle point like this, the championships and the victories over the teams that we needed to beat, where do you go from here? You know, there's, I mean, where do you go? Yeah, it's it's tough to know. You know, there's a lot of players that we know are leaving, and there's some that we don't know whether they'll leave or come back. You know, on, on defense, there are a lot of players that we know will be back because they're only sophomores. You know, I just mentioned all those defensive linemen. We'll also get Will Johnson back for another year because he's only a sophomore. 
So we have a lot of key pieces coming back on defense. You know, offense is, is a huge question. You know, the offensive line, a lot of guys will be leaving. You know, we expect JJ to leave. We're losing our top two receivers. Colson Loveland will be back. He's just a sophomore. So we do have, you know, some great talent coming back. But yeah, it's, you know, in the next month or however long it's going to be, like, you know, these players will start announcing their decisions on whether they're staying or going. And so it's hard to predict what next year will be like but it, it's you know it's it's hard to imagine that they will be near as good as this team was you know like to lose the leaders and the experienced players that we are going to lose it's like you, how do you replace a Blake Corum how do you replace a Mikey Sanger still Mike Barrett you know it's it's going to be really tough but there's you know we still got still got a lot of uh, great players that are coming back and we'll see Quarterback will be a big question mark, assuming J.J. does leave. But then, you know, as far as the future, the biggest question mark is, of course, Jim Harbaugh. Is he going to go off to the NFL now? And as annoying as it's been the last two off seasons, after 21 and 22, all the talk and him seemingly, like, being really interested in jumping back to the NFL. You know, as in 2020, at the end of the season, a lot of people were rooting for him to get an NFL job because of how bad that season went, how it just it's, we felt like we were still just so far away from ever competing on the national stage or against Ohio state. And then a year later, it's after we beat them once and go to the playoff, it's like Jim Harbaugh is a hot coaching candidate again for the NFL. And then after last year, especially, and it's like, it, it, it was very frustrating because it like, we hadn't reached that point yet. Like it felt like if he left, you know, like recruits are out there, like not knowing if he's coming or going. And, but now, now that we finally finally did it and they won the national championship and we have what I feel like is an obvious head coach and waiting candidate in Sharon Moore. Like if if Harbaugh was gonna leave, this is the time. Like I would I would just kind of like, okay, I, I release you, go to the NFL, pursue your next goal of of winning a Super Bowl. Like it took nine years, but he did what we all expected he would do when he came here in 2015 he won the national championship took longer than we wanted but he finally did it and you know i feel like this is the because if if more if harbaugh doesn't leave and Moore's not you know made the head coach Moore's going to get a head coaching job somewhere else and i feel like you know just the the continuity in culture and offensive style and all that stuff that would provide by having somebody like Moore take over the job i think would be would be huge and like as much of a chance as we have of maintaining what we have going right now as a program like more being being able to ascend to the the head coaching position if Harbaugh left I think would be the best thing for the for the program but yeah. what are you on it I I mean that's the exact same thoughts that I had as I mean if it's if it's if he's gonna go I mean I was even one of the ones that ashamed I'm ashamed to say this a little bit but when that when that season happened and people were kind of like yeah, Jim, you gotta, we gotta do something. It wasn't, it wasn't anything against Jim about you gotta go. It was more of just like something needs to happen to kickstart something. Like we just, there needs a spark. And, you know, looking back at it, I don't think the head coach change would have been it, obviously. And it, and it definitely wasn't it, but it was one of those things where I was thinking like, is it the thing that we need is a change? And it obviously wasn't because we needed the consistency. So the, the big change was the defensive coordinator at that point. Right. Yep the change that we did need and, and has ended up making such a big difference. It was huge. Yeah. But yeah, this is the time for like, if he goes 
and if he chooses to go, I'm I'm not going to be upset by that. I'm going to be I'm going to be more than happy for him because he's got the national championship now. He's finally got that. Like like he said after the game, like he can finally sit at the big kids' table at his family gatherings now. You know, he's got that. He had the season that he's had with the two suspensions that were just like, come on, you know. And so he's had a rough season in it, in it just personally. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's accomplished everything that he needed to and should have accomplished here at Michigan. Like you said, the exact reason that we brought him here. Yeah. And and we we got it. And so this is it. It's hard to look forward to next season and the following seasons because I know there will be a lot of changes that could result in some deficits here as far as our records go, but it's, it's the time. I think it's, I think it's okay. You know, it's like, it's like sending somebody off or just like saying someone can let go. Like it's okay. It's okay. Like right. we, we did it. You can, you can, you can rest now. You can go yeah. off into your, whatever you want to call it, semi-retirement or whatever. And these teams and these players can now move on. It's all right. Like business is done yeah. for now, you know, and, Sitting here in this seat, I cannot imagine a better season than what we've had. I would love to see one better. I mean, that would be, again, historical across football altogether. But this is the time for the changes to happen because because we did it. We finished on top. We overcame so much adversity. They, I don't want to keep saying we, I'm, you know, I'm a arm armchair quarterback here, but still it's so much that got accomplished throughout this season and experienced by these players and these coaches that if changes are going to happen that could be seen by any football team as negative now's the time like you said and and i'm okay with that it would be rough to see jim go off to an nfl team and then just like get slaughtered by nfl teams because obviously you know whoever's going to pick up jim harbaugh right now isn't going to be a team that's currently like on top or something like that you know there's going to be building that has to take place so right you know, it's hard watching coaches that you love, like especially Michigan basketball coaches and, and football coaches go off to bigger jobs or NFL jobs and then just never have what they had there. Yeah. But what happened with John Beeline? Yeah. yeah that was a sad one. Yeah. But, you know, I I hope the best for all these guys. And it, it'll be so great that after this, you know, we're in January here in April when the draft happens, being able to watch so many Michigan names called, you know. Yeah whatever round they go in, because I know these guys are going to go forward, not just with the skill level, but with the right mentality and the right humility and the emotions to be able to handle what comes next. Because for them too, like they're heading into the NFL with so many veterans that they're going to have to rebuild a little bit as well. You know, they're going to have to adjust and play with new teammates and new coaches and to the skill level of what the NFL is at. But I think they can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there would have been... You know, if if Harbaugh does go to the NFL, I'll absolutely be rooting for him. But like a year or two ago, I'm not sure if I could have totally said that. You know, there I think there would have been a level of of bitterness and resentment if he had left because, like again, like the job wasn't done. You know, there was unfinished business, and if he left before the business was finished, it would have felt it would have been upsetting. You know, and so yeah, but now it's like. If he wants to to go out on top and go back to the NFL and leave his college career as, you know, possibly the greatest coach in Michigan history, at least in like the modern era, like, I mean, you know, Bo did it for longer, but Bo never won a national championship. And obviously this college football is just so different now than what it was back then. But, you know, 
it's again there's there's nowhere to go but down from where we're at right now so for him like he's he couldn't be leaving the program in better shape than what he is if he's leaving and so yeah it's like i again like you said like it's okay you can rest like you have our blessing go pursue this next thing and we will always have you know this cherished memory of of winning the national championship with jim harbaugh as the coach and and hopefully sustain you know the success with with the culture and the program that he's he's built you know it's it certainly wouldn't if he leaves it's not necessarily going to mean the doom of michigan football there there will be a drop off next year whether harbaugh stays or not you know so but it's just you know we'll see in like two or three years if harbaugh leaves like you know where are we at really have no idea you know these programs like alabama ohio state georgia they expect every year, and they have the talent every year. They're like they expect it's a national championship or bust. They're like anything less is a disappointment. And you know, Michigan is just not necessarily that way. It would have it was that way this year, but you know, it's not like I think it's unrealistic to expect Michigan to to have that level of sustained. Like every year, we have a realistic shot at winning the national championship. Probably not. And that's why this year I've just been trying to soak it up as much as possible because I've been aware of that all year. Like this could be the last chance for a while to to do this and so the fact that they they did it they didn't waste it they they got it done will stick with me for the rest of my life amen amen well i asked you this morning when you woke up five words tell me how you feel right now and you said did last night really happen yeah would would you still say those feelings are still with you Uh, yeah i mean it's it is it does still feel surreal like you know it still just thinking back over the last two decades of Michigan football and even where we were just a few years ago in the Harbaugh era, 2018, 2019, or even, sorry, 2017 through 2020, just getting blown out by Ohio State and just feeling like there was no hope that we were ever going to get over that hump to where we are now. It, it still is sinking in and probably will still be be that way for a while. But yeah, I'm just trying to, trying to enjoy it, soak it in, and I'm just going to be basking in this in this win for a long time. Yeah. I- yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think of the five words, but I, the, the only like things that came to mind was on Twitter or X. I'm going to say Twitter. Yeah. On Twitter this morning, Michigan tweeted, we did the dang thing, you know, and that's, yeah, we did, we did. And that will forever, that will forever live with me. We did the dang thing. Yeah. And on that note, you've, you know, you talked about referring to Michigan as we, a few minutes ago, like I am all about using the word we when you talk about your sports team because sure. sports would be absolutely nothing without the fans. So without without fans going to games, paying their hard earned money to go to games, buy tickets, buy merchandise, watching the games on TV, which is what, you know, these schools make so much money off TV revenue, like it is we. Like we are a part of Michigan football because we are loyal supporters and we have been for a long time. Agreed. Totally agreed. The only reason I would ever have a differentiation between we and they is because of the, there is a they that takes place on the field. There is a we as a whole. And yeah, yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad that this is the the team that I grew with, that I grew up with the, the franchise that I just will forever follow. I'm so glad that my, my wife and my kids are on the same train and that this will just all be something that we can remember for the rest of our lives. And, so yeah, and I'm so glad that we obviously together, our families and the two of us can just continue to to experience this and talk about these things and just ride these trains together. So yeah, 
I, yeah, it, it just feels still unreal, and I'm and I'm glad we can bask in this together. Yeah, me too. It's been been an incredible season. Yeah, we stop it. We won't, man. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening with us, and and for those of you non-Michigan fans, thanks for bearing with us. We hope that we converted so many of you. We hope that this season made you believe, because <laughs> it, it it certainly drove the nail home for so many other people. So thank you for joining along with us on the, on this subsection. I was, nah, I'm not going to call it a subsection just for this time on the podcast, because this is just part of who we are and what we're going to do moving forward. So yeah, we'll, we'll continue to talk about these things as needed, but we are now national champions. And for that to be along with us for that, we are so glad that you are riding that with us here at the end of this podcast. Thank you.